Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, I've got a few pictures to show you. This is a friend of mine. Uh, this is Luis Alberto Aurez Flores. He is the pastor of Iglesia Menonita Bethel Church. Uh, I just said church twice. Uh, Iglesia Menonita Bethel, I'm going to get it right, in San Benito, Nicaragua. I got to know Pastor Luis this last summer on our mission trip and former relationship with him. This is a great picture of Luis here. It shows off his smile and his affable nature. Luis can usually be found like this, chatting amiably with one of his parishioners or walking down the street with children running around his feet as he walks the neighborhood to visit with people, to pray for the sick, or to encourage the homebound. Luis moved to San Benito, a sleepy, very muggy, underdeveloped continuation of the sprawl of the capital city of Managua, with a grand vision. With his own money, of which he has very, very little, he purchased two lots in his neighborhood, one on which to build a, an actual church building, Menonita Church, and one to build a preschool sometime in the future. Our job for the four days that we were with him was to help him construct this church building and to play with the kids in the neighborhood so some work could get done. Now, I'm not a construction guy. It's one of the, the great regrets in my life that I didn't do construction at some point in my younger days for a summer or something like that because there's so much I don't know and I suffer for confidence when it comes to construction. But yet on this sweltery, muggy day in July, last July, we began our construction project. And it was two days of pouring concrete and installing these large posts uh, to build the structure on. With each passing hour, I was starting to get nervous that we weren't really making very great progress. <laughs> the impediments of language and, and poor tools and eight workers for every post made it a little difficult for us sometimes to get things done. On day three, we were still lining up posts, and I was grieving that we were going to walk away from this church with 12 posts jutting out of the ground rather than an actual church building. But Luis and his parishioners did not seem concerned at all. We were able to get some kind of structure completed. Here's what it looked like when we were done. You can see it's only got half a roof on it. Luis has a plan to put up some brick or tin siding as well in the future, perhaps uh, pour a concrete floor at some point. But he sent me a few photos. This is what the church looks like today. And it's so encouraging to see it full of uh, worship service. You can see some of the people worshiping in there. And uh, that's so encouraging to me. But I'm still, to be honest, a little concerned about this structure. Um, it's more than a little bit rickety. This last winter, they had unprecedented rains and, and even some hurricane-force winds. And I asked Luis um, through uh, Google Translator, uh, how he does, does he feel safe putting people under this structure? I was trying to say it in the nicest way possible. He is. He's comfortable with that. He conceded that one of the tin pieces on the roof had been punctured by a branch and then it flew off. But in his words, we bought more roof. We bought more roof. He even said that they would have to repair those posts with cracks and bends from time to time. But that's okay because the concrete is strong. The foundation is strong. I'll always think of Luis when I read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because what's built on the foundation of the church almost doesn't matter. 
What's built on the foundation almost doesn't matter. What matters is the foundation. They can repair roofs, and, 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 they can, and they can fix posts if they need to, but that foundation, that concrete, will stay secure. And that's really all they need for their church, and that's all they need to be happy. I think of us sitting here in this beautiful sanctuary today, and maybe it's not even a, a popular thing to, to say, maybe it's not even a popular thing to think, but we really don't need all of this here to be Hinsdale Covenant Church, right? We agree on that. We don't really need all of this here to do that. Luis doesn't have walls. He doesn't have stained glass. He doesn't have central air. Some of you were saying it's too hot, it's too cold this morning. He doesn't have the option of turning that down. He doesn't have a hardwired sound system or lights or a beautiful organ or a narthex or a library or anything else. There's no ornamentation or beauty in his physical structure of this church, and yet it does not inhibit their worship one bit. It doesn't inhibit their gathering together or their flourishing as a church or the way in which they're reaching their neighborhood. Why? Because they've got a foundation. And all the other stuff is just stuff. In Paul's correspondence with the Corinthians, much of the subtext of, the, of, of this correspondence is that the church simply has not found a way to get through their division. They're having trouble with one another. Chapter 3 begins with Paul addressing a division within the church based on leadership. Some in Corinth apparently uh, prefer Paul and his teachings as opposed to Apollos, and some prefer Apollos. Paul rebukes them strongly for their immaturity and their lack of thoughtful care, and he reminds them that it's God that's doing the work of building the church in Corinth. He and Apollos are just merely human servants. They're going to come and go. But then we get to the metaphor in verse 9. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. If you haven't been with us throughout this sermon series, or perhaps you need a little refresher, we've been studying what it means to be God's people by looking at different biblical metaphors for the church. We looked at the church as Christ's body and flock and bride and family, among others. And today we get this new metaphor. Paul himself says, you are God's building. You're God's building. He expands on what this means as we read on. Much like Pastor Luis, the focus of Paul is on the foundation. Paul says that he, like a master builder, laid the foundation and that others, like Apollos, have and will continue to build upon it. He goes on to say that the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and that the material used to build on that foundation are, are temporary materials. And the integrity of those materials is going to be revealed in time. So a couple of questions that I think are important for us to ask about this text. First, what does it mean to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ as a church? What does that mean for the Corinthian church? What does it mean for us? Paul is clear that there's only one acceptable foundation, and that's the foundation of Jesus. This harkens back to his word in chapter 1, and especially in, in chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, For I decided to know nothing among you other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the foundation. The foundation is not proper doctrine. It's not uh, some sort of cultural appropriation to the gospel or even social concern, doing good. The foundation is the good news of Jesus Christ with its basic content of salvation offered through him. If the church isn't built 
on the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the integrity of that structure is highly suspect. Highly suspect. Here's a good litmus test for us as a church here today. If a fire started, God forbid, and this building was burned, and we had to suspend every single program that we offered, and the entire staff resigned tomorrow, and all that was left was for us to gather here on Sunday morning amidst the ashes to pray and to gather together, would Hinsdale Covenant still be a church? Would we still be a church? Or would we be done? Paul's word is, of course you would be. So long as the foundation of all that you do is the good news of Jesus Christ. For us as a church built on the foundation of Jesus means quite simply that he is central. His gospel is central in all that we do. That we ought never lose sight of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's what it means to build our foundation on Jesus Christ. The second question that I think we can ask in this text is, okay, so if that's the foundation, what are the materials that we're building our church with? Paul talks about materials. Remember, for the first 300 years of the church, there was no concept of a church building like we're sitting in here today. The believers met almost exclusively in private homes, which was certainly true of the Corinthian church. So for the earliest Christian reading these words, the church as a building was truly a metaphor. I think we quickly think about this physical structure that we're sitting in when we say the word church. And we think of the building materials that surround us, like limestone and brick and wood and concrete. But Paul is thinking what forms the structure as a metaphor, our worship, our benevolence, our prayers, our leadership, the way we educate about the way of Jesus, our discipleship, our fellowship. These are the materials that we build upon. But his focus isn't on the materials themselves. Rather, it's still on the foundation. In other words, for us, everywhere you turn in this church, wherever anybody is teaching or anything or, or, or teaching anything or building anything, we must see first the mark of Jesus Christ. Whatever lifts up Christ in his true greatness is those lasting materials like gold and silver and precious stone. Whatever detracts from Jesus Christ and his gospel are the perishable ones like wood and hay and stubble. I think this text is actually pretty timely for us here today as we really get into enjoying this new space and celebrate 125 years as a church this week. I think it's good to remind ourselves what our foundation is for the simple reason that if we lose our foundation as a church, the integrity of the structure is fatally compromised. We can so often think that we are what we've built here. This building, our programs, the youth and children ministries, the outreach, the Bible studies, the styles of worship and the preaching, these are the things that we are. But really, we are what we were when we started this thing called Hinsdale Covenant Church, Mission Friends, the group of people gathering around God's word, starting with the foundation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We aren't the sum of what we've built here. We are humble builders on the foundation of Jesus that he built with his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Christ has laid the foundation, and all that we do is merely an extension and continuation of that work. Now, obviously, I think it's obvious, 
we're not going to return this beautiful space to rubble just so that we can be reminded of the foundation of Jesus Christ, right? Amen? Anybody? Okay, amen. The goal is not to return to the humble roots that have led us here. We're not going to replace this structure with one like Luis has just to, just to make a point. But my desire this morning is to impress upon us that a church of our vintage and our history and our means, we can't afford to get comfortable with what we have. We must stay grounded in all things on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So I have a, I have a friend here today who's going to uh, talk a little bit about that, who has a unique perspective. I'm going to invite Sten to come forward. Has a unique perspective on uh, what it means uh, to kind of go back to basics and to start on the foundation of Jesus. So Sten uh, Carlson, here with his wife Erica, his two beautiful kids Lucy and Ole are downstairs. Uh, some of you might recognize Sten. Sten was uh, a youth intern with me in the early years that I was here. He was also worship director for our contemporary music for two, three years? Three years, three yeah. Three years, yeah. And uh, one of the great joys that we have as a church is to uh, is to be a part of young ministers uh, receiving a call and honing that call and then sending them out. And uh, Sten is embarking on a new adventure uh, that ties into what we're talking about today, so I thought I'd give him a little time to share that with us. So why don't you, uh, Sten, tell us about your new adventure? Yeah, uh, about um, just about two years ago, my wife Erica and I, we started down a path uh, wondering if, uh, if church planting uh, might be something that we would pursue together as a next step uh, in my ministry and in my leadership. So the first part of that uh, path was the, an invitation to the Evangelical Covenant Church uh, Church Planners Assessment, where the Covenant Church uh, gives you the thumbs up, hopefully, uh, and the support to plant a Covenant Church. And so we were, at the end of that uh, weekend assessment, we were given uh, the thumbs up and the support of the Evangelical Covenant Church to plant a church from the ground up. However... Uh, two years ago, we said no. <laughs> uh, something at the time uh, wasn't feeling like that was the right step. Uh, a year later, uh, the summer of 2016, uh, the feeling of, of some type of next step for me uh, didn't go away. And I received a call from the Northwest Conference Director of Church Planting, uh, who invited me um, to the second part of this church planner's uh, path, which is the church planner's intensive training that I said no to uh, a year prior. And so in September 2016, I did accept an invitation hesitantly um, to attend the church planter's uh, training. Uh, and it was there uh, over the course of, of those five days of training that I finally said uh, yes uh, to church planting uh, for reasons uh, that were a little bit of a surprise to me. It wasn't the, the, the practical parts. It wasn't the leadership parts of church planting uh, that I said yes to. Uh, it was really the spiritual parts uh, of church planting that I said yes to. This slow realization that the step to plant a church from the ground up might be equally about what God wanted to do uh, in me as what God wanted to do through me. And uh, so over the course of this weekend, uh, week-long training, the same question kept coming uh, onto my mind, my heart, I feel like God was putting the same question onto my heart, uh, which was, Stan, uh, would you use the gifts that I have given you um, to, to plant a church uh, so that your heart is, is most in line with mine? This step of church planning, that might be 
the way you use your gifts so that your heart is most in line with mine. I knew my gut. I knew my flesh when I considered next steps. Uh, I knew uh, I was attracted to bigger stages and, and brighter lights and a bunch more people. Uh, I just knew that was true about uh, who, who I am and, and, and what I was looking for. And so I just had the sense of God saying, Stan, would you use those same gifts uh, on no stage at all, maybe under borrowed lights uh, from another church? Uh, would you still use those same gifts? And, uh, and when I realized that that might be the step that I take so that my heart is most in line with God, I said yes uh, to church planting. When I shared that with my wife and she saw what was on uh, my heart, she said yes. And so our family jumped both feet in uh, to planting a church uh, from the ground up in Hudson, Wisconsin, about 40 miles from where we have been currently serving. So talk a little bit more about where do you, where do you start? You've, you've received the call. You've decided on a place. How do you, how do you actually start planting a church? Yep, so I can speak to that. For me, where I started actually starts well beyond two years ago even. For me, uh, the idea of starting to plant a church uh, began long ago simply with the vision that I felt like God had put on my heart, which was to draw people to the local church uh, either again or maybe for the very first time. For me, I grew up um, at, at, at church at Batavia Covenant Church and spent so much time here at Hinsdale Covenant Church, and I had a great experience uh, with church my whole life uh, growing up, and I'm grateful for that. The older I got, I started to realize that my really positive experience with a local church is not necessarily the norm any longer. Um, I became aware of the reality that our neighborhoods and our communities and our, our places of work, uh, our families even are filled with people. Uh, who, who didn't have that great experience with the local church, didn't have any experience, or just aren't really interested in any experience. Um, and in Hudson, where we're planting, that's 57% of the population not connected, not engaged with the local church, therefore having uh, less of an opportunity to hear about the life-changing message uh, of Jesus Christ. So that broke my heart uh, to come to that realization, and I finally realized that broke God's heart too. And so it was right in that meeting place where I realized uh, that's where I wanted to make an impact on God's kingdom uh, here on earth. Uh, so I set out to, uh, to lead churches who were um, intentional about doing anything they could to reach more people for Jesus, to create environments that would capture people's attention so that in those places God could capture hearts. So that is really for me where it started. Very practically speaking, though, um, I had to, Eric and I had to share that vision with anybody who would listen to us, literally. Uh, so we've spent the past six months um, meeting folks uh, for dinner in restaurants around our kitchen table at home for dinner, for lunch, in coffee shops, in small group um, vision meetings, sharing that vision literally with anyone who would listen uh, because of our need to have um, people support financially this vision of ours and to have people come alongside us to help make that vision uh, a reality. So for the last six months, that's what we've been doing, sharing this vision with anybody who would listen. And little by little, um, the foundation of this team and of this church that we are planting uh, has started to come together. Quickly just talk about going from a church, a, a pretty good-sized church sure. with pretty high production value means uh, to be able to kind of do what they need to do in their building and otherwise to kind of starting from scratch. What's that sort of process been like? Uh, it's uh, it, it's a scary one in many ways, but it's I do think it's teaching me a lot of things. I mean, I am leaving a, a place where uh, we do have a lot of great resources and equipment to do the kind of ministry that excites me to do it. So uh, it's a big step, but I think it's teaching me 
uh, a number of things. Number one, I think I am learning. I am still in the process of learning uh, every day a real dependence on God in a way that I really have never experienced or in a way I've really never had to experience uh, before. We are stepping out into something where God has to show up. Um, otherwise, uh, we're sunk. I mean, otherwise, this step that we are taking won't fly. And so daily, I'm in a position where I realize God has to show up. God has to come through uh, and meet us right where we are at. So that's a lesson I'm still learning. I think the, the second thing that I'm learning about kind of moving from what is, is built to something that doesn't exist um, I think I'm learning that, that this church that I'm planting is and always has been and always will be God's church, uh, not my church, that, that this idea was his idea uh, long before it was my idea. There's a number of stories that illustrate that. There's one that I'll tell very quickly. It was early on in the process when we were trying to decide if indeed we would plant this church in Hudson, Wisconsin. And uh, we heard that a pretty prominent woman from our church, her name was Luann, a sharp uh, businesswoman, a great leader in our church. We heard that she was moving to, guess where, Hudson. Uh, that in and of itself we thought was, was pretty cool, uh, encouraging. So I followed up with her, uh, and she proceeded to tell me, you have no idea how floored I was when I heard that you were thinking of planting a church in Hudson. Uh, here's why. Her son and her daughter-in-law live in Hudson. Uh, and, and long ago, her daughter-in-law said, if there was a church like yours, where I was working at the time in Menominee, if there was a church like yours in Hudson, uh, I could get your son, Luann's son, to come to church again. And so Luann told me, ever since that day, I have been praying uh, that a church with your heart would come to Hudson. And so she said, when I heard that that's what you were thinking of doing, um, she said, I almost fell out of my chair. And she said, I'll do whatever I can to help support uh, and make your vision, your dream become a reality. And so for me, that's just a, a reminder, again, that this was God's idea. This is God's church well before it was mine or ours. And so that gives me a lot of confidence um, to know that in moving from what was built and established to, to what has nothing right now, it gave me a lot of confidence that if I let God um, remain at the wheel, um, he will make a way forward for us. And so that's a, a daily reminder for me to remember, let God be leading this thing. Let God stay at the wheel and, uh, and he'll make a way forward for us. So this passage from 1 Corinthians 3, talking about building on the foundation of Jesus, for us, we're, uh, I'm, I'm trying to bring that in a way so that we're called back to that and being reminded of the foundation. How do you sort of receive that text where you are and, and what would you say to a church that's 125 years old. Yeah, it's in a lot of ways right in line with everything that you have been saying. Uh, for me and for what we're setting out to do, Jesus, I, we have a lot of visions, and a lot of dreams, and a lot of mission statements that we're putting together. But at the end of the day, um, with whatever we're doing, with whoever we're sharing this vision with, Jesus has to be uh, the ultimate vision for it all. I have a lot of high hopes um, for the, 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 the facilities that we'll use and, and the resources that, that we might uh, accumulate, and I a lot of, have a lot of high hopes for, for the ministry and the programs that we might run, absolutely. Um, but Jesus has to be uh, at the center of it all. He has to be the, the, the absolute uh, a vision of everything that we're doing. My time um, will be divided, undoubtedly, with so many things that I have to pay attention to, building and, and resources and all that stuff. There's no doubt that I'll have to pay attention to those things. Um, but I would say for me, for any church, 
Um, if those things aren't used only as a tool uh, to, to help connect people to a real, uh, genuine, growing, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, if, if those things for me, for anyone else, aren't used only as a tool, um, whatever we do won't last. We might attract... Uh, we might attract a following for a while. We, we might attract a crowd for a while with those things. But if Jesus isn't the ultimate vision uh, of everything that we are doing, um, all the excitement that we're following up with now, it will soon fade um, if Jesus isn't a- at the center of it all. It's uh, important for you as a church to know we're already uh, in with, with Sten uh, financially. We've already... Uh, given a gift because we love to continue to launch uh, uh, ministers that have been involved in this church into new areas of ministry. Um, But you might also be hearing this today and have your heart sort of pulled towards church planning and getting excited about that. You want to talk about how else people here in this church can support you? Yeah, um, there's there's two ways that uh, this church, a church that's been a huge part of my past shaping me for ministry, uh, two ways that I would say you could be a support to us. Uh, Number one, uh, you can pray for our family, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, not to get too dark here, um, but kind of the spiritual battle, spiritual warfare even, it is real for um, church planners that have gone uh, before me. And, um, and so we are in need of people to, to regularly um, and faithfully pray for our family. Pray for our kids um, who didn't get a vote uh, in this <laughs> crazy next step that we are taking. Um, so we are in need of people who would faithfully, regularly remember and pray for our family, for me, for Erica, for our kids, Lucy and Oli. Uh, number two, Mid-Current Church. That's the church that uh, I'm planting. Mid-Current Church is uh, hopeful to find financial partners who would um, consider partnering with us for the first three years that this church um, gets off the ground. Uh, everything that, that we that have been hearing today is absolutely true. Jesus has to be the foundation. All, all else is is only kind of secondary. Jesus has to be the foundation for what we are doing, for what Mid-Current Church is doing, for what Hinsdale Covenant Church uh, is doing. That is undisputable. Uh, the reality is uh, we have hopes for facilities and, and for resources that we are hoping to use as tools uh, to reach more people for Jesus. Um, so we're looking at rental facilities uh, right now that we wouldn't be able to call our own that we would set up in every Sunday. Uh, those rental facilities on the, the most cost-effective end are $26,000 a year. That's our kind of cheapest option moving forward. be $78,000 over the next three years. Uh, that's not a ton of money a- annually, um, but still significant for a, a church uh, just beginning. Uh, at the same time, uh, I just met with... Um, a member of our team is an incredibly knowledgeable musician and, and, and sound engineer, and he helped me develop a, a pretty comprehensive, actually very comprehensive list of our most basic needs just from an audiovisual standpoint. We came together uh, and, and decided that we would need $18,527 to get our most basic needs um, to do the things that we hope to do um, on, on a Sunday morning, um, and that's not including similar needs we'll have in, in children's ministry in other places that uh, we're moving forward. So that's a snapshot uh, of how you might support us. We genuinely need people to regularly uh, and faithfully pray for our family, and uh, we're hopeful that that, um, that we would find financial partners to stand behind the work that we believe God is uh, doing in Hudson uh, and, and wants to do through Mid-Current Church. Well, we are uh, excited uh, about this and uh, excited to be a part of this journey with you. So I'd just love to pray.
Lord, uh, thank you for Stan and Erica. I thank you for the call that you put on their life. I thank you for the vision of Midcurrent Covenant Church in Hudson. And Lord, we do uh, want to just name this as your church, your ministry, uh, to do with it what you will. And uh, I pray that you would give Stan and Erica and, and a supernatural trust each day in you, that you will take care, you will tend, and that you will guide and lead uh, every step of the way. And Lord, we're thankful to come alongside them. Might Stan and Erica feel the strong arms of this church and so many other churches surrounding them as they step into this calling they have today. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Stan and Erica will be here uh, this morning, and I uh, would love to talk with you if you'd like to hear more about what's going on at Midcurrent Covenant Church. I have just one other thing to say about this text. And that is, in verse 16 and 17, Paul does a little twist. It's not just that you're the building. He says, you are God's temple. It is not just a nice idea for us to say, it'd be great to keep Jesus as the foundation of what we do. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We'll start over again. What, G what, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, you, church in Corinth, God wants to dwell, because that's what the temple is, God's dwelling place. God wants to dwell in you in Corinth. God wants to dwell in Corinth through your work. Luis, God wants to dwell in San Benito through you, through your people. Stan and Erica, God wants to dwell with your people at Midcurrent Covenant in Hudson, Wisconsin. Hinsdale Covenant, God wants to dwell here in Hinsdale and in the surrounding suburbs through these people. Make his dwelling there. And that's why Paul comes with some pretty sharp language to say, this is really important because this is how God wants to dwell with his people. May it be so for us, even as we celebrate the longevity that we've had here, may we go back to the foundation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen?